wonderful thing about singing so many hymns is we see how God has been faithful to, uh, to us through all the generations and hundreds and hundreds of years. Thanks for pointing that out, Henry. Um, and the Bible is filled with calls to thankfulness as well. Taking a look this morning at uh, Paul's first letter to the church in Thessalonica, and we've been looking at chapter 5, the last verses from 12 on, and I am just looking for the page number, page 1841. So Paul's wrapping up his letter, and he writes, Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that no one pays back wrong for wrong. But always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. And then here's our focus of our uh, message this morning, verses 16 through 18. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And don't put out the Spirit's fire. Don't treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good and avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. And brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. In the word of the Lord. Father, we've come to you on this Thanksgiving day to give thanks. And Lord, we give thanks, we've given thanks in, in prayer and in song. And Lord, we've heard stories and we've heard scripture read this morning. And we pray that, that this may all sink deep within our hearts and souls and minds to shape us and form us into who you're calling us to be. I pray that the words which will now be spoken, may they be your words and not mine. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I always think it's kind of funny that the day of the Thanksgiving, the day of Thanksgiving is actually commanded by our government. Our government says, you got to take a day and you just got to be thankful, grateful for what you have. And with our election campaign this year going on, you know, it's kind of hard to, to kind of see where our government is a government that focuses on Thanksgiving because, unfortunately, they're focusing on all the stuff that's wrong and they're making us all kinds of promises on how they can make it better. But this is why we celebrate Thanksgiving in church because we realize that, you know what, we fail each other. People fail each other. Governments fail us all the time. That's just kind of the nature of who we are. But God's always faithful. And God remains true to us always. And he provides. 
He provides continually. Yeah, harvest is hard to get in. I got a guy trying to do roofing on my house and says, now it's not going to happen until April because the weather has been so rough this year. And yet, we have a roof over our head. We have food in our stomachs. We have brothers and sisters, whether blood or through church, that we share life with. And life is good because our Lord has promised to be with us always. And it's a theme in Scripture over and over and over again. Give thanks. Give thanks. The Psalms are filled with, with this call to give thanks. And I remember on a, on a bus trip to a youth convention being held in Fort Collins, Colorado. And, and on the way, we were tra traveling along, and, and we had all these youth, the bus filled with youth and, and youth leaders. And when we got to Fort Collins, we were sitting in a, in a field just outside because we were a little bit early. And we just sat around, and, and, and we looked at the mountains. The mountains were amazing. And for Michiganders, who most of them were, mountains were just like, Wow because they thought they had mountains in northern Michigan, but not really. But then they realized just how awesome God is. So we started talking about, you know, what are some things you can give thanks for? And one really struck me. A girl about 15, 16 years old, she said, the thing I give thanks for the most is when I get up in the morning and I go into the kitchen and I see my dad's Bible on the kitchen table, and I see his glasses on them. I know he started his day with God, and I know that he prayed for, for my mom and for me and for my siblings, and that gives me a lot of courage and strength as I go through my day. And I realized as I heard all these stories of Thanksgiving that it wasn't stuff that the kids were, were thankful for, it was the people in their lives. It was for, for parents, for siblings, for friends. And a lot of them said they were thankful for God because they, they knew that, that God was always with them, even in the stresses of, of high school and, and college. This morning we're going to reflect on those verses 16 through 18. Be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, these three things, when they shape our hearts and our lives, it is amazing how, how, how the change comes in how we approach life. I've shared with you my dad, you know, always having this fear of not having enough. And, and he's always looking for, for ways to, to get more because he wanted us to not have to experience the struggles that, that he did. And he admitted sometimes it was hard to feel joyful when, when you had a lot of setbacks in life, when, when you had all these memories, hard memories of growing up during the war. But he said one time, I still try to be joyful always. See, when Paul's talking here, he's not talking to individuals. He's talking to a whole group of people. And that's something my dad learned as well, is by being around others who are joyful, who are, who are content, who are able to see God working no matter what's going on, 
it helped him to trust God more. It helped him to, to, to experience joyfulness even when things weren't going as he had planned. See, when we believe that God is in control of the present and the future, we're able to experience joy. Because joy comes from confidence. It comes from, from knowing that, that, you know, we can work hard and, and we can do all the right things and it still might not turn out, but that's okay. God's in control, and he'll be with us, and he'll, he'll provide us with the things that we need. And he says what you need most is good relationships. A good relationship with me. So I send my son Jesus so that he could take that sin that, that, that's a barrier between us and, and he takes it to the cross and, and he makes things right between us again. But, but Jesus is not just about this relationship here. Jesus also comes and teaches us on how to live at this level as well. Because it's at this level here that, that we experience the deep blessings, the deep joy of God in relationships with each other, in relationships with with brothers and sisters, those who are family, even if we don't come from the, the same genetic family line. Second call is to pray continually. Now, this is not a call to be in a, in a prayer group all the time and to keep your heads bowed all the time and, and to be on your knees all the time. He's calling us, though, to go through our day with an awareness that, that God is with us in everything that we're doing. It's like going through your day with a wonderful friend. And you don't even always have to talk with your, with your friend. Well, at least if you're a guy, you don't. My wife doesn't always understand this, or my sister, or my daughter. My sister's either. You see, Pat Brophy was my best friend. Still is, though we haven't seen each other for years. We could sit in the same room in the same car, we could be together, and we could not say a word at all. I can do the same thing with my sons. We can sit in the same room. We just kind of grunt at each other once in a while. And we know exactly what we're talking about. Our, my, my wife and my daughter doesn't really get it. But there's just that being together. There's just that sense of, of knowing each other. And that's what Paul's getting at here. He's saying, you know what, there's a time to go into the closet, as Jesus says, to be on our knees and to be silent. But, but there's something to be said about, you know, while you're driving, being aware that, that God is, is around. That, that when you're at a stoplight or a stop sign and you're behind somebody, just give a quick prayer for them. Or, or when you're in the grocery line. Or, 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 or while you're working, while you're trying to get the harvest in. You know, just this awareness that, that God is the one who has made this harvest. When you're at work or when you're at school or when you're with a friend, saying just that awareness that, that God is, wants a good relationship between you and, and that God has put these people in your life to be a blessing to you, but he's also put you in their lives so that you can be a blessing to them. Just this awareness that wherever you are, God is right there as well. And it doesn't have to be words. Just an awareness that, that God is with us always. That's what Paul's kind of getting at here. Frederick uh, 
Bushner writes, according to Jesus, by far the most important thing about praying is to kind of keep at it. You know, it's, it's that, that just showing up and, and always. And he uses really comic images as though he thought it was rather comic to have to explain it at all. He says, God is like a friend you go to borrow bread from at midnight. The friend tells you, in effect, to drop dead, but you go on knocking anyway until he finally gives you what you want so he can go back to bed again. Or God's like a crooked judge who refuses to hear the case of a certain poor widow, presumably because he knows there's nothing much in it for him, but she keeps on hounding him until he finally hears her case just to get her out of his hair. Even a stinker, Jesus says, wouldn't give his own child a black eye when the child asks for peanut butter and jelly. So how much more will God give when his children come to him? You know, God, Jesus uses all these images of, of just saying, show up. Just show up with God. You know, that a woman gets a few moments every day to talk to the judge. But she's just right there and the judge sees her. You know, the, the friend going at midnight he knows that he just has to show up and he's going to get it. His friend's going to grumble. Come on, you get woken up at midnight for a loaf of bread, you're going to grumble. But he knows he's going to get that loaf of bread. And God gives good gifts to his children. That's why we give thanks. And that's why we keep showing up. And then there's that call to give thanks in all circumstances. I was, I just kind of counted this week how often I said thanks to people and when I said thanks. And I realized that I say thanks when I get something from somebody. And I don't give thanks when I don't receive something. Or if I receive something that I don't care for, I don't say thanks. And then I took a look through my past. And I realized, you know, there's a lot of times of hurt in, in my past. You know, lost a sister at 18 due to a car accident, a brother at 19 because he had cerebral palsy and epilepsy and a whole lot of stuff. My grandfather, who I was super close to, died when I was 18. You know, there's all this loss, there's all this sorrow, there's all this hurt. And yet, through it all, I saw that God was using those moments to shape me, to, to soften my heart, to stop me from focusing all the time on me and to help me be able to connect with others. When my sister died, I was an elder in the church, and then the pastor took another call shortly afterwards. And the other elders, in all their wisdom, said, well, you know what it's like to lose somebody. And we had a number of deaths over that winter. He said, you do the visiting for those. And at the time, I thought, yeah, that was pretty smart. Now I wouldn't think that's so smart, but that's a different story. But what it did was it allowed me to meet with these people and to cry with them, to mourn with them, to understand what they were going through. And even now, when there's, when there's tragedy, when there's loss, having experienced it, you're able to come alongside. You're able to cry with somebody. 
And I had never learned how to cry as a kid. I learned to cry as an adult. But I can now cry with somebody who's crying. I give thanks now for those moments of, of hard times in my life because it allows me to walk alongside others when they're going through their hard times as well. My dad, about five years ago, we were sitting, we were visiting, and uh, he said, you know what, all these deals I had made and they had all fallen through in life, he says, all the stuff I was bitter and angry about, he says, I'm actually kind of happy about them now because I've got this place, a little place, a trailer in the middle of nowhere, but I've got, I've got family. I've got kids who still love me and respect me, even though I wasn't always there. You guys knew I was doing my best, and you guys didn't hold anything against me. And you guys come out here. He says, I don't have lots, but I have enough, and I have you. So he says, if I would have gotten everything and I would have been wealthy, I probably wouldn't be here because it's cold here in the winter. I'd be down south. I wouldn't have stayed here. So he says, I give thanks for all those hard times because it's brought us closer together as a family too. That's what hard times do is they help us to, to come together, come together as family, come together as church, come together as people. And there is a deeper connection that happens through hard times. And that's why Paul says, you know what, give thanks in all circumstances. He says, you know what, um, I praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. But we also thank God because in thanking God, we receive more blessings. This is not prosperity gospel. This is just a reality of life. I find that when the, the people who are most thankful around me, they're also the ones who are the most content. They are the ones who are at peace. They are the ones who are able to see God working when others can't see God working. Because when you approach life with a spirit of thankfulness, you see everything that you have rather than the stuff that you don't have. Our culture today is always trying to get us to see what we don't have and saying, wouldn't you really love this? But what happens then is we get these little spirit of discontent, of unhappiness, a little bit of, of greed and wanting. But the people that I know who just approach life with thankfulness, they don't see what they don't have. They instead see, wow, I've got family, I've got friends, I've got people who care about me. And like that girl on that bus uh, going to Fort Collins who shared with us that, you know, when she sees her father's glasses on her Bible, she can go through her day with confidence and with hope and with strength. That's what thankfulness gives us. It gives us those things because we know we don't walk alone. We prayed for our church. We prayed, prayed for our community, for businesses. We weren't praying for things. We were praying for people. And that's ultimately what we give thanks for. We give thanks for God, the person of Jesus Christ, who became human like us, and we give thanks for each other. And we give thanks for the people in our community that we are 
praying will come to know Christ as well. So go from here. Go with the spirit of thankfulness. And I promise you, uh, you will see blessing after blessing and you will receive blessing after blessing because it changes us. It changes who we are and it makes us look more and more like Christ. Amen. We're going to sing now.